Hello, I'm John Cameron, and welcome to Musicology. We started writing a few songs, and I decided that I was going to make the theme of the album much more personal and have everything to do with my relationships, my immediate relationships with my family, mm. with my, my husband, with my past, you know, and present, and my relationship to the world right now. I just thought that that was kind of the way I was going. And there we had a lot of other great songs, but somehow they didn't fit into the theme of family. As the 1980s came to a close, there were three artists that had indisputably reigned throughout. Madonna was one of them. By 1988, she had three studio albums that were highly successful, four film roles that weren't, and an image that caused intrigue, disgust, and desire. Previous acting failures would attempt to be rectified with a Broadway debut. Her marriage to Sean Penn was a constant struggle with his increasing erratic behaviour. And she would turn 30, the age of her mother when she passed away. As a result, Madonna had a lot on her mind. A stressful situation for any person, let alone someone constantly in the spotlight. She was a creative person, yearning to express herself in an act of self-therapy and self-empowerment. week period, she and Patrick Leonard, who had produced her last album, would get together with the intention of creating some rough musical ideas. Despite this casual approach, his instrumentation, along with her lyrics and vocals, would go on to create her greatest work up to that point, and the defining statement of her career. I will come to Pat with a, an idea for a song, either lyrically or emotionally, and say, let's do something like this, or I'll have a melody line in my head which I will sing to him, and he will sort of pound out the chords to. I mean, it, it takes a, long, a lot longer to do it that way because I don't play an instrument, but ultimately it's, it's a lot more personal. Arguably Madonna's magnum opus, Like a Prayer, would be the album's title, as well as its lead single. It opens with a dramatic fade-up of guitars and then a loud bang, like Madonna had just fallen out of heaven to deliver this message. would have most of the basic musical ideas while Madonna wrote lyrics to her 12-year-old self-ambition of wanting to be a nun. This version is a result of their first day working on the track. Voice. It's like an angel I have no choice. I hear your voice. 
of the vocal recorded in this first tape would be that on the final product. The bongos and other percussion sounds would either be replaced or removed by other instrumentation. And then they added the Andre Crouch Choir. The album version wouldn't be the only one. For the 12-inch extended remix, Shep Pettibone and Junior Vasquez would change, alter and amp up the bass and drums, making the track's subtle funk hit harder in the mix. Speaking of funk, a guitar solo would be added by Prince. Bill Bottrell, another frequent collaborator of Madonna's, would remix Like a Prayer for the 12-inch club version, which would begin like the Pettibone and Vasquez mixes, but would transition into what is essentially the Dub Beats remix, Sans Prince's guitar ensemble. worthy of praise is Shep Pettibone's 12-inch dance mix. It retains almost no non-vocal elements from the original aside from a few synth stats and would form the basis for Madonna's performances of Like a Prayer during that era. Like a prayer, the song itself, was that a lot, did that take a long time to write or did that come? The song, yeah. Like a Prayer? Nope, took two days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a Prayer's single would reach number one in every chart around the world worthy of mention. Its controversial music video certainly helped, but the song by itself is an indisputable masterpiece, and its multitude of mixes are just as great as the original.
also, you seem to have a fascination when you talk about Latin America mm-hmm. towards that form of music. Um, what form of music? Well, Latin. Latin music, yeah. Yeah, I think I was a Latin in another life. I mean, Spanish Eyes, mm-hmm. which is a stunning song on the album. Um, that lends towards that. Yeah. You've had songs before that have got that thing. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I went to a psychic once who told me I was a, a Spanish boy in another life. It just makes all the sense in the world to me, don't you think? Well, you, make great, you look great as a Spanish dancer. <laughs> Wouldn't I look great as a Spanish boy? No, I don't think so, no. <laughs> The track that would ultimately close out the album, Pray for Spanish Eyes, is a display of Madonna's seldom acknowledged vocal adaptability. Touching on musical elements explored with a previous hit, La Isla Bonita, both Patrick and Madonna would heavily incorporate prominent characteristics of Latin pop to match the song's narrative. The lyrics detail unrest in a non-specific barrio. Madonna sings about a man who fought against the local disturbance, mourning his loss and concern about anyone else this war might take. At least, that's the literal interpretation of the lyrics. Some fans claim there is an underlying metaphor about her friends whose lives have been taken by AIDS. This claim does not appear to have been confirmed by either Madonna or Patrick Leonard, and arguably isn't obvious by an analysis of the lyrics. With that said, the Like A Prayer album was initially issued with a pamphlet about safe sex. Madonna has always spoken about the subject's importance, when it was not popular to do so. In terms of lyrics though, such themes wouldn't be so expressly articulated until her next album. While Madonna was rehearsing for an upcoming Broadway production, she engrossed herself in reading Romeo and Juliet. As a result, this perfect pop gem known as Cherish exists. It's not at all profane requiring a sexually-minded interpretation, or is at all contentious. It's just a joyous pop song, something that was becoming progressively rarer in her catalogue, for better or for worse.
demo would be updated with a breakdown of the instrumental towards the end, as well as additional vocals provided by Marilyn Martin, who would be gifted her own track, Possessive Love, written by Madonna, Patrick and Jai Winding during these sessions. Uh, Cherish, is that one of your favourites? Um, no, it's not actually. I mean, I like it. I think it's a very catchy, sweet song. And I almost didn't put it on the album because I thought thematically it was the black sheep because it was so kind of positive and up without any serious message in it. But then I decided that it was a good it was good to have that there because um, otherwise it kind of balanced everything. When asked about the song in 2002, Madonna reflected on its success, but described it as one of the most retarded songs I've ever written. But Cherish would be released as the third single from Like a Prayer, and reach number one in several countries, as well as charting highly in others. While the general public seemed to disagree with Madonna's conflicted feelings about its inclusion, its success certainly justified its place. With the working title Little Girl, Promise to Try is a consoling letter to exactly that, addressing the death of her mother, which occurred when she was just five years old. Madonna would describe the track as written for the little girl inside her. Little girl, don't you forget her face, laughing away your tears when she was the one who felt all the pain little girl never forget her eyes keep them alive inside i promise to try it's not the same the lyrics are an ode to anyone who's lost a parent, the yearning of a relationship that can now only be had metaphysically, manifesting itself just in one's own mind. What I remember most about my mother was that she was, she was very kind and very gentle and very feminine. I mean, I don't know, I guess she just seemed like an angel to me, but I suppose everybody thinks their mother's an angel when they're five. I also know she was really religious, so, I never really understood why she was taken away from us. It just seemed so unfair. I never thought that she had done something wrong, so oftentimes I'd wonder what I'd done wrong. Will she see me cry when I stumble and fall? Does she hear my voice in the night when I call? Wipe away all your tears, it's gonna be. Madonna maintains a consistent childlike vocal throughout, 
with just a piano backing and string swelling at various points, almost score music-like. Patrick's instrumental touches on the emotion of the listener just as much as Madonna's performance. Little girl, you've got to forget the past and learn to forgive me. like a lie Don't let memory play games with your mind She's a faded smile frozen in time I'm still hanging on but doing it wrong Can't kiss her Originally recorded under the working titles of Out of Time and then State of Matrimony, Till Death to Us Part was one of the earliest song titles to be leaked to the press, thanks to Madonna's highly publicised divorce from Sean Penn. Filing for divorce twice and a police report filed against Penn's alleged abusive behaviour at the time, Madonna certainly had enough fodder to use in a lyrical critique of marriage, juxtaposed over a somewhat poppy instrumental. It sounds in line with many other pop songs at the time, but its subject matter significantly stands out when observed. The song articulates various forms of spousal abuse, fueled by alcoholism. Tolerance is a vessel that can only hold so much, thus the reiteration is that the relationship is running out of time. Since 1987, it's been alleged by the media that Sean Penn, during a well-documented phase of violence and other capricious behaviours, assaulted, kidnapped and sexually abused Madonna during their marriage. This was further fueled by the police report filed at the time by Madonna alleging such acts. acknowledged that these rumours were strongly denied in 2017, after a number of disparaging articles were published about Sean. Yeah, but- 
part would be edited down before the album's release, shortening its instrumental coda. Till death do us part. It would rather strangely appear as a B-side to the single of another distinct song with more innocent content. On an eventual configuration filled with slightly unconventional compositions and songwriting, there would be one track that stands out in particular for being indisputably eclectic. While jamming at the keyboard in the pursuit of new ideas, Patrick made reference to a Beatles track titled Dear Prudence. In response, Madonna replied with How About Dear Jessie, making reference to Leonard's daughter. He began to compose some Beatlesque keyboard patterns that would later be translated into strings and horns, while she would paint a fantastical dreamland with her lyrics. was heard on the album isn't how the song was initially demoed. Originally, it featured drums and a bass that often accentuated the string sections throughout. This version arguably would have been more conventional for an individual release. song's rhythmic structure being supported by some lighter percussion. Despite its more psychedelic pop sound being unlike most popular music at the time, an animated music video would be produced, illustrating the fantasy described through the lyrics. It would also be released as a single in oceanic regions and Europe, where it would become a hit. Well then the next song is a song called Dear Jessie, mm-hmm. which I believe was sort of literally a letter you're writing to Patrick Leonard's daughter. Yeah, her name is Jessie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose since I don't have a family, I don't have children. I sort of, I love to relate to children. I mean, mm. they're so free and innocent and honest. 
and um, uninhibited, and they're great. For two weeks, from late January to early February 1988, Madonna and Patrick Leonard had recorded seven near-complete songs, which would lay the groundwork for her next album, although Madonna would have other obligations to fulfill. She would begin rehearsals for the Broadway production of Speed the Plow, the official dates taking place between early May and late August, a commitment being while arguably her most important album up to that point was being constructed. The demos her and Pat had created were amazing ideas, with potential that would have to be realised at a later point. From September to November, many of the finishing touches on at least six of the former tracks would be made, as well as more ideas created. But even while Leonard couldn't negotiate time with Madonna during Speed the Plow, there would be one artist that would. Prince's input on the album didn't end with its title track. He and Madonna had previously recorded some jam sessions at his Paisley Park studio, most likely between late 1987 and early 1988. After seeing Madonna in the Broadway production of Speed the Plow, Prince sent her a compilation of tracks they had come up with. Madonna was impressed and wanted to make something out of them for her album. gotten together a couple of times in the hopes of working with each other in, in some way. Originally we were going to do a musical together and we were going to write the music for it and that didn't really pan out. You know what I mean? We just kept getting together and he, I, he seemed to fight the idea of just writing songs for a record together because he's done that with so many people. He came to see me in the play I did last time in New York and he, for the hell of it, put together a tape of some rough things that, that we had done in all of our meetings that we had. And Love Song was one of the songs and I just said, you know, this is crazy, it's such a great song. Why why not put it on the record? Say what you mean, mean what you say. Don't go and go our love away. God strike me down if I did you wrong. This is not a song. Given the working title, Daisy Miller, Love Song would eventuate, having been born out of those experimental sessions. Prince would play drums while Madonna experimented with synth lines, thus the track's sparse nature. Don't wait. In March, Prince would mix together the basic tracks for Love Song. Whether out of elements from their sessions or newly recorded is unknown. 
but it was then sent to Madonna to add her contributions at her own leisure, presumably when she got back into the studio after Broadway. The track would then be sent back to Prince, along with Like a Prayer. We kind of sent the tapes back and forth to each other and we keep building it. It was like he would write a sentence and I would add on to it and then send it back to him and he would continue the story, you know, basically. It was fun because in this song, really, it was only my musical influence. And he was like, I didn't have Pat or Steve's help. I played with keyboards myself because I know, don't know that much. It, it kind of came out strange and interesting. to relate to all the other songs because it's about a relationship that, you know, a hate-love relationship. While Love Song is arguably more familiar with the sound that Prince was creating during this time, it is representative of what happens when two great artists come together. I think that, um, you know, Prince was a very isolated life, and I don't, and that is the big difference between us, and I just try to be a positive influence on him. I've always been a fan. I think he's incredible, and I also admire him. He's very courageous, and he causes lots of controversy too, which is great, and I think he is a brilliant musician. Me this way. I did? Yes, I only do it to win your approval and affection and admiration. Mr. Scanny, um, was she difficult as a child? Difficult? That's putting it mildly. Yeah. <laughs> Very difficult. Was she um, punctual? I mean, yes, she was punctual. Did she ever lie to you? I was saying that she was going to church and maybe. She probably did. Yeah. I probably Most kids do. He's so loyal, he won't say anything bad about me. <laughs> well, finally, <laughs> after seeing her the other night, I know you're proud of it. You are proud of it, aren't you? Yes, I am. Must I'm be proud, proud of all your family. Yes, I am. And I'm proud of you, Dad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. While still on Broadway, Patrick did come to visit Madonna. They met at a local rundown studio. Lots of times Pat Leonard will come up with a piece of music like, Oh Father, we did very little to change it musically. And he throws the music at me and I just listen to it over and over again. And somehow the music suggests words to me and I just, just start writing the words down. It's funny that way You can get used to the tears and the pain What a child Madonna is reflecting on the emotional disconnection between her and her father during her upbringing, particularly following her mother's death, when she needed that parental connection. 
This comes across in her vocal delivery, which remarkably cuts through the heavy instrumentation during the song's peaks. While singing the verses which contain a narrative of her childhood, she presents a higher childlike vocal, but during the chorus when describes getting away from that, a deeper, more adult performance comes through. The thing is, if my father hadn't been strict, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I think that his strictness taught me a certain amount of discipline that has helped me in my life and in my career, and also um, made me work harder for things. While most of the song is a cathartic outpour of emotions towards a victimizer, the bridge acknowledges the humanity in them. They too are a victim, which makes it harder to run away. Documenting one's own hardships and making it into a song is difficult enough, but to then forgive the person responsible adds another layer of complexity. following the album's release that the song could apply to any authority figure in her life, including God. The lyrics are about emancipation, being in a position to move away from someone's affecting actions and grow into your own person. This rejection of authority is a constant theme throughout the album, and most likely why it resonates today as much as it did 30 years ago. screaming really loud and doing things that got me attention like oh oh you know we would all get in various kinds of trouble to get my father's attention and then um, be punished accordingly but <laughs> I think uh, I was really competitive in school with my grades and stuff my father used to um, give us rewards if we got A's like all A's on our report cards so it was my my goal to get the best report cards all the time it wasn't so much that I was interested in learning it was more that I was interested in getting the best grades and my father gave us 25 cents for every A that we got. So um, I wanted to earn the most amount of money. I wanted to be the envy of my brothers and sisters. 
Prince wouldn't be the only secondary producer on the album. One, two, three, hit it! Madonna has worked with Stephen Bray since before she struck fame. For Like A Prayer, she sought after his production to execute what she would describe as sort of my tributes to Sly and the Family Stone. Invoking sentiments of the classic family affair, Keep It Together would revolve around similar subject matter. After all of the challenges to authority figures in her life, a tribute to her mother, and some quarrelsome reflections on her dad during the album, this song brings all of those themes back to what is ultimately important. also contain a Prince contribution, playing guitar throughout with some motives to Family Affair. Like Like a Prayer, this would go uncredited. The single would contain a plentiful variety of offerings, including Stephen Bray's own 12-inch mix enhancing the rhythm tracks and muting parts of the multi-track throughout. I got brothers, I got some sisters too, uh-huh. stuck in the middle, tell you what I'm gonna do. that wasn't enough, Chet Pettibone would contribute two additional mixes. The confusingly titled 12-inch remix offers more of a house-styled rhythm and less of the live instrumentation the album version contains. samples some vocals from another Madonna track, True Blue, which Pettibone also remixed years earlier. Shep would also offer another variation of the track, the equally confusing titled 12-inch extended mix. This version more closely reflects the one on the album, but does incorporate elements from his alternative remix, as well as vocal samples and additional percussion.
together with Score Madonna yet another number one hit. It subtly explored versatility throughout its remixes, and Irremovable Funk places it as an essential piece in Madonna's catalogue. Hi, I'm Madonna, and here comes Express Yourself. While there are many songs on Like a Prayer that can be described as essential or a masterpiece, there is one that is indisputably iconic. Bray's other contribution would be the dance pop perfection known as Express Yourself. track after Like a Prayer, its bombastic brass introduction, as well as Madonna's proclamation, ensures the listener that they're about to hear something worth listening to. The composition on the verses is relaxed to funky guitar riffs and a Rhodes keyboard, supported by the large reverberated gated drum sounds. version is excellent, it's not the most familiar with the general public. Employed for yet more remixes, Shep Pettibone would create the defining version. Madonna would perform this version on the tour that followed, and it would feature on the Immaculate Collection. 
a Greatest Hits compilation released a year later. This would be the prominent iteration of the song played on radio ever since. The Like A Prayer album is the beginning of an artist in her prime, and in full control, with all the tracks having been penned by Madonna, exploring a broad range of complex topics she established herself as a lyricist. Of course, there was some controversy. The religious imagery in her videos, the sexual displays in her performances, being vocal in her support of homosexuals, these aspects were a turn-off for many. But for those that had experienced religious or family or identity struggles, Like a Prayer became their representation. It spoke for some and informed others. It is simply one of the most iconic albums by a pop artist that has ever been released. Thank you for listening to John Cameron's Musicology. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or sharing on social media.